Hi, I'm Jack Frimston. I'm Sarah Tabar, and you're listening to Who's Larry? We are on a hunt to find that metaphorical happy bloke who is always smiling, who goes by the name of Larry. So if you've seen him, let us know. And if you've not seen him, then the best way to stay in touch and find out who he is is subscribe, like, and leave some lovely positive messages underneath. It's time to face... The music. That's what they say on reality TV, isn't it? That is. I think that's what they say on The X Factor. Yeah, I know. Well, forget about The X Factor because it's not about The X Factor today. And you know what? It's not even about Britain's Got Talent. It's about so much more than that because we are joined by a fabulous man today who gave us a brilliant insight into his world and the world of reality TV. Absolutely. And that man is Eddie Brett of the lovable rogues who you may remember from Britain's Got Talent, finalists. Eddie's here to tell us all about kind of their experience, where they found happiness along that journey. I absolutely love the lovable rogues. I am so excited for this. Let's get into it. So welcome, Eddie Brett, to Who's Larry? And thank you for joining us, mate. Obviously, you're going to help us today. We are still on the hunt for this bloke called Larry, and we are going to make sure that by the end of the chat today, I reckon you're, you're quite happy, happy-go-lucky bloke, aren't you? Most of the time, yeah. On the last episode, me and Sarah, we, we sat down, we had a big chat about reality TV and the happiness that is brought, which could be from consuming it or from <laughs> partaking in it. And you... We're in a band, The Lovable Rogues, and you guys went on to Britain's Got Talent and you did really, really well and you had some huge success after it. I reckon, I reckon let's start at the beginning. From the backstory that I know, you were gigging around, you were doing quite well, and you came forth, didn't you? Yeah, we came forth. But to be fair, like, I, I, people say, oh, where did you come? And I never really say, because sometimes they, like, reckon I came second and shit, and I'm just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just go along with it. Exactly. Whatever they would think I came, yeah. I won the X Factor. What year was it that you were in Britain's Got Talent? It was either 2012 or 2011. <laughs> I'm i pretty sure it was 2012. The Olympics. I remember the Olympics being a big thing right. when we were touring. So I'm not sure if, yeah. So it was nearly like 10 years ago, basically. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, Don't say time. that. Don't remind us all. And I'm still clinging on to it. <laughs> It's all right, mate. I mean, why not? Right, mate. So you did that, and then obviously after that, there was there were so many things that we'll, we'll get into because you got offered a, a record label by Psycho, and you, and you kind of you went on tour with Ollie Mers, and you did some huge, huge things. And you had some big success with your tunes as well. So did you just rock up at a stadium, or, or what was your story for for that? Or did somebody say we like you? What part um, from the the point of. Going on Britain's Got Talent or why we ended up on Britain's Got Talent? Well, yeah, so why, why, why did you, you end up yeah, on Yeah, why it? you went for it? A persistent manager. Um, we were trying to progress and things like that. And we had this uh, a guy that we was working with and we was gigging. And you can feel like you're trying so hard to get absolutely nowhere. And uh, like after a few years of doing that, you and especially if you're not rich or anything, or, and you've got very normal families who have very normal jobs, they're not like annoyed with you for not having a proper one but they're certainly cautious that like how long are you gonna do this with like yeah <laughs> so then yeah. um so you're always trying to progress anyway so he's working with this bloke and he introduced us to this other bloke called uh, albert samuel who uh, run a, um, a music management company and he'd, he'd, he'd signed like a so solid crew and uh, baby cakes you just don't know. Oh, what a tune. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> he, and he worked with E17. 
I love E17. So it's just, he walked into his office and there's all these plaques everywhere. And you're like, wow, it's incredible. And then we sat down with him and we was like, right, lads, um, I don't really work with people at, at your level. However, um, I sent your stuff onto Sony and they came back and I was like, the boys would be perfect for Britain's Got Talent. Is that something you'd ever consider? And we was like, nah, 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 absolutely not. Um, he was like, well, I don't work with people. It sounds, it's very much like, you know, the start of them pornos where they're like, uh, they're going to be <laughs> models and there's like, there's no modeling work. However, we have got this if you wanted to do that. Uh, and we were yeah, confident yeah. enough to not give him a blowjob. And uh, we said, no, we're not, we're not going to, we, we're cool, man. We're not that bothered. Um, we just keep gigging and, and keep going that way. And he's like, all right, yeah, fine, that's fine. Um, and then we, he called back a week after and we was like, ah, oh, they've come back. And they was like, you, you know, no sub stories. You don't have to meet your parents. You can do your own songs. And we was like, no, 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 we're all good. We're good, thank you. And um, One Direction had just come off the X Factor. So they were sort of like bubbling along. Rizzle Kicks, who we'd been following, like we knew for quite a while, they just started to release their tracks uh, in the charts and stuff. And it was just sort of seemed like it was a moment in time where if we was ever going to do anything, it sort of felt like it was bubbling at that moment in time. So as much as we're still saying no, there's also the seed in my head of like, what if this never happens and we think we could have done that? Um, yeah. And then yeah. I was sort of thinking, well, why do I hate reality shows? Why don't we want to go on it? And it's like... I hate people that are just sort of making up some shit so I have to feel sorry for them and then they, they sing and they're good. It's like, why can't they just be good from the get-go? Why can't they just be funny and interesting from the get-go? And then I was like, well, it's because they, they're not, whereas I am. So <laughs> let, let's give it a go, I guess. And I, I kept saying, it was, you know, Tay's a very sceptical man. Like, I'm the sort of man that would do something and then regret it. Whereas Tay like, yeah. won't go near something. He'd rather just not do it. And I, I'm the complete opposite. Right. I, like, I jump in puddles and think, fuck, I'm wet. Um, so like, <laughs> after a while, I just said, look, we're young enough to be naive. And realistically, there'll be nothing worse than to watch that show and see like a Turkish boy, a black boy and this white guy like playing ukulele and a guitar doing three-part <laughs> harmonies. And like, well, it should have been us. But that, that's like the worst yeah. thing that could ever happen. And then uh, we, we actually, we've we done it like an Alan Sugar boardroom meeting when we, we wrote out all the pros and cons. And it just seemed like, uh, all right, let's give it a, a punt sort of scenario. Might as well. Yeah. And, and this sounds, at this moment in time, it very much sounds like it was all the chips were in our corner. So it's like, which they were. like we, we knew we'd go straight through to the semi-finals, more or less. I say that like as long as we didn't mess up. Um, however, where I'm going with this is when you get there and you like go in front of the judges, it doesn't matter who you are. You could be Beyonce and you're still going to shit yourself. It is still like I can't tell you how scary it is because it's not for Beyonce, but for us, we just <laughs> knew that this moment could change our lives. And you yeah. have to rise to that moment. You can't, like, don't, whatever you want to say about talent shows or wh however wanky you think the people are to do them, that's that moment on stage, you can't fabricate that. And you got you either rise to the occasion and take it like, by the horns or you flop and embarrass yourself to everyone. Because that was the other thing. Like, we 
for us, we'd worked so hard to build up the brand and the music and everything that we stood for. We didn't want that to be able to be swept away just from like one two minute performance because like say we were bubbling and making a name for ourselves on a low level from an industry. If we'd messed that up, we would have just been known, known as the people that messed up on Britain's Got Talent, which is an awful thing. that was thing. it, that would be and it. Yeah, yeah. So, but I, I was prepared to take that risk and, 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 and we did. When you said um, you knew that you'd get through to the semi-final, was that like something that because of the amount that they'd persisted to try and get you on it or like had they said that or was it just like the confidence, which is great. Um, <laughs> if it was. Yeah, a bit of both, I guess. Because we sort of thought, well, if we can't get through, we should be a band. Do you know what I mean? If we're we're not good enough for them to think we're good, we we should look in the mirror and go, maybe we'll do juggling or something. Also, people have to like audition to get to that point. Yeah, and you do. You just got to skip yeah, that. Yeah, we just had to. Yeah. Do that. and we didn't even have to queue up in that. Like, a whole VIP lifestyle. Like the VIP version <laughs> to an extent. You still have to stay there for like. We was there for twelve hours. Picture this, right? Oh my! So um, we auditioned in Wales in Cardiff because I think they they have like a, an abundance of people in London, right? So because yeah. they sort of knew we was coming along they thought right we'll chuck them in on the uh, cardiff audition that way we could we know we've got like something for that show so we, we drove up to cardiff i just started driving right so i had my little fiat ciacento it's not built for long journeys with three growing lads in the back and uh, so i got there and, and i was shattered we stayed in a hotel room the night before and i remember our manager like was like we can't afford a hotel room why are we paying for a hotel room he's like don't worry lads i'll pay for the hotel room and then you pay me the money back so he yeah he paid for the hotel room but none of us could sleep like i remember just staying in the bed next to tail well i put celine dion on just because it calms me down and uh, we we just stayed up the whole night listening to a, a decade of songs uh, by Celine Dion. So I got no sleep and then we had to um, get up at seven to then go like to theatre and then it was there for 12 hours filming and then obviously we hadn't booked a hotel for the for the evening so I had to drive back. Oh god. Was, yeah, oh, I was there and it was raining and it was pitch black. I had never been so tired in my life. I remember um, having an argument about whether it was when we got to the M25 whether you go right or left and I remember, because me and Sonny, we live on like the Essex side of London, whereas Tay's used to like the other side of London. Because I just passed my driving test, I didn't realise that the N25 circular, right? <laughs> so like, we're having this argument about whether you go left or right to get home. Oh and I'm God. going, and Tay loves an argument. I'm going, it's fucking left, you prick. It's going, it's right. And I'm so tired, it's raining. I'm going, ah. Which way did you go in the end, left or right? I went left, but I always think like, it was because it is left, but then I was thinking, no, no, because of course, Tay lives that, like, he's from Canning Town. So but were you not that journey home? That's, that, I guess that's an interesting one. Obviously, we'll touch on the how the audition actually went and the kind of the, that peak of euphoria that you had. D- did that happiness not over overdrive the tiredness on the way home, or you were just like, we knew we were getting through, we're knackered? I don't think happiness is even the word, I think it's relief. <laughs> it, like, right, okay. I was too tired to be happy, but I was just yeah. relieved that. It wasn't shit. And everyone seemed to enjoy it. Like, so, cool, job done. Because I remember watching the audition and you're watching Britain's Got Talent and it's like, here's three seconds of someone, there's 10 seconds. All of a sudden, 
bang, we've got a segment. It's all, it's just about you guys. So there was like a 10, 15 minute segment where it said your whole backstory. And I think you, you were driving in. You, was, was that your car you were driving oh, in? Oh, mate, in the it was, it was like, uh, we got a whole like, featured film in it. it was... <laughs> exactly, you did. Yeah, did you know yeah. throughout the day you were like, that? there's a buzz about us. They're giving us a bit more the way they're treating us. Was there any royalty treatment there? Like, were they giving you more time well, or? They got to skip the queue, Jack. Yeah, we got to skip the queue, <laughs> but it's also like, cause as much as we were in that special VIP queue, there was also the nutters. Like the people that they know right. are crazy. Uh, so like, you're, you're just hoping really that you're not you're not yeah. one of them. <laughs> like, so you do, you start thinking, what are they filming me for? Um, but we already knew going into it that we was wanted. And then I remember like, we had a long chat with Ant and Deck. To this day, I said a couple of jokes that were like, yes, like, yeah, that's, that's what I'm probably most happy about, that thing is I nailed a couple of jokes in front of Ant and Deck that's that made it onto telly. And I could just sit back at home watching. <laughs> um, I'm funny, so, I'm we, funny on ITV. Yeah, that's it, that's it. I'm prime time funny. And, <laughs> and and they chatted to us, and I remember them just saying, like, we hope you're good, <laughs> because that was the thing. <laughs> and that was how we felt as well. It's just like, we hope we do well as well. We hope we're good. <laughs> so when they said, like, do you remember any of the like the, the words they said after you? Because you, I, I imagine you got a great response from the audience. They said some nice words, and then they put you through. What what kind of was that, that feeling for you there? Yeah, it's just pure relief. I remember David Williams saying like, it was like madness and stuff like that. Um, but then I don't know if that's the first audition. I just remember, I remember Simon Cowell saying some stuff and realistically um, touching upon the band. And this is part of the reason why things started to sort of like crumble between us is because the only thing we'd ever agreed amongst the three of us is that we all wanted a record deal. Beyond that, we'd never like checked in on ourselves to right. go like, what do we want once we get a record deal? We always just thought we want a record deal. So the minute Simon Cowell started right. saying cool things, all of our minds are going like, ooh, this could be playing out how we want it to, lads. Um, so yeah, no, it was just great to hear that Simon was on board um, because we were there from a music background and he's there as the music sort of judge character person with a record exactly label. yeah so yeah it was important <laughs> and and that that's kind of dangling that because with x factor it's like oh if i if i win or i do well it's that like with britain to got talent it's like this is a machine that i can use to maximize a fan base that i can then tour and, and things like this so you must have we always talk to guests about kind of the idolizing something or like when you're laying in bed and you're thinking and you're daydreaming but about the things that could happen do you know what I mean? Like you're hoping for. So in that kind of bubbling stage between that and the semi-finals, like you said, the record deal. But was there anything further than that? Were you thinking arenas? Were you thinking sell out? What were you thinking? Oh, I was thinking arenas when I was at an open mic night, like in front of no one. <laughs> um, yeah, I wasn't here to mess about, Jack. It's that's that's what I was there for. Do you know what I mean? It's uh, hmm. I saw myself playing Wembley Stadium. I, I saw myself doing that. And then I did it, and it's fucking badass, bro. <laughs> <laughs> did it make you feel as happy as you expected? No, that's the weird thing. Because I'm not not to take it on a downer, right? But at that moment in time, I wasn't talking to my dad because I thought he was a huge prick, um, and we'd fallen out. And I remember just thinking, like, I'm going to send you tickets to see me when I play at Wembley Stadium one day. And then the time come, and I was like, you know what? It's not as fulfilling as I thought it would be. Like, um, 
It happened so quick. We was playing the jingle, uh, the summertime ball, and we was on them, you know, like NSYNC jump out of the stage on them little platforms. We were put on those, and there's two blokes <laughs> either side of me, like, pushing me up. And we jumped on the stage, and you look out, and you're like, wow, you're like the stadium. Um, but again, going back to, like, the relief, it's more. That's that's what being in a band is just like. Please don't Constant mess up. Constant relief. Yeah, that is, that's what it is because you're at these moments and it's like you can't enjoy that moment because there's so much pressure on you to not mess up. So when you do it without messing up, you're like, oh, phew. It's not like. So it's not a happiness. Yeah. It's like. Do you think the happiness comes with kind of thinking about it? Like I'm playing Wembley Stadium. Like that's that that feeling you've got. Like I'm going to be playing it, and then when you're there, it's like. I can't be happy now because yeah. like there's too much pressure. Uh, the, the happiness yeah. comes in reflection. Like, na- like now, like now, I'm super happy. Um, think about it to the point. I got a photo printed of recently of us playing at the stadium, put on my wall, just because I, it's Aww. only like now that I'm like, wow, what a cool thing. There's not many people that have got to do that, um, and I mm. have so wicked. Yeah. You made it to the final. Do you think? Again, I guess we're using this word happiness, but whatever the feeling was, I'm guessing you wanted to win and you were hoping to win. Yeah. Do you think you actually would have been happier if you had won? Or do you think, like, actually it worked out as it should have? I would have laughed if we'd won. Like, I would have been like, (laughs) this is brilliant. Because you say we obviously wanted to win, but we absolutely didn't. Um, We didn't even contemplate winning. We weren't there to win. We were there to get through to the final. And then once yeah. we got through to the final, we just, we didn't even think of it. Like, it was just, again, don't fuck up. And, and then we didn't. Yeah. And then it was like, oh, sweet, we've done the job now. We got to the final. We didn't mess up. Happy days. Because um, we was there for a record deal. Like, as long as we got there, yeah. then we'd won. So actually winning the competition, we weren't really thinking. Because if I had thought about that, I would have poisoned the dog. I would have, like, beat up the opera singer. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> um, so... I, I could have tactically gone about winning a bit better, but we just we just wasn't even thinking of that. Um, which is kind of what the cool thing is about Britain's Got Talent is that you get on really well with everyone backstage because you're not in competition with each other. Mm. It's kind of like, yeah. look, let's all be wicked, and then whoever the audience enjoy the most, then they win. But I'm not angry that you're a better dog than I am because I'm not, I can't do that, and I'm not an opera singer, so. I can't, like, yeah. I'm not trying to compete with you. I'm just trying to hope that you do well and I do well and we all come up it, out of it smiling. Yeah, you're all doing different things, so you can't really compare. So it was a really nice atmosphere backstage. That's really good to hear. You must have been proud of yourselves. Like, Do you know what I mean? We've smashed it, you come here for this. Yeah, and there's, it was a really nice moment because um, everyone liked us and we got a sense of that like from the backstage sort of team. And the lighting man, he didn't turn our lights off. And I think they usually do for a place. And he never did. And I just remember our lights That's staying a... on. I was like, oh, cheers, fella. Because it's like, <laughs> yeah, it was just a nice touch because it just meant the camera panned over. But we were still like, yeah, all right. <laughs> it's nice to be nice. We've got yeah. lights. So you were kind of, you and the boys, you were dreaming of this record deal. So the, the curtain goes down on Britain's Got Talent. What is the process of the next couple of days? Did you have an inkling? Did you go, well, we're just waiting for the call from Simon to put the paper, the pen to paper? Yeah, talk us through so, that. So the Britain's Got Talent end, bang, Britain's where are you? Britain's Got Talent ends. You go, whew, that, that didn't mess up. 
you go on your phone and you're like, lads, are you seeing how many Twitter followers we got? And then you're just going around <laughs> for about an hour going, oh, wait, have you seen how many Twitter followers? Fuck yeah, have you seen how many? Literally, and that was because Twitter was the thing back in the day. Instagram wasn't a thing. But Twitter, and we were just, it's just constantly, like, I've never experienced anything like it, just constantly getting more followers, more messages. I was like, this is nuts. So we sort of got an understanding of, like, Shit, man, we've done something here. But then our manager said that he'd seen Simon Cow in the corridor and he'd said, uh, your boys will be all right. So we was like, that's cryptic. What does that mean? But him saying your boys will be all right <laughs> is better than him saying they won't be all right. So it was like, yeah. all right, well, sweet. Yeah. And then everyone just gets completely plastered. So we were just going <laughs> in like, all the dressing rooms with all the different... Like people that are working on the show, just all getting. You've boosted got the dog up. on your got shoulders. On show. <laughs> da, da, da. Um, and it was just wicked. Yeah, I remember having a few beers in Ant and Dex's like dressing room because like you're by that point you're a big part of the show and obviously they are as well. So you're almost like not on par with them, but you're allowed in their like space, which is really interesting. Like to to just be sweet yeah. with Ant and Dex for a beer all of a sudden. And uh, then after that, we went back to the hotel. In the hotel reception, everyone was just having it up there. Alicia Dixon, she'd come to like, to party with all the contestants as well that were in the hotel. And it was like being in Magaluf. It was wicked. And everyone it was sounds just like, wild. partying. <laughs> yeah, no, it was. And, uh, and it's like you're going down. There's a Tesco's Express at the bottom of the hotel. And you go down and you're in the paper. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that must have been weird. Oh, mate, it's the strangest thing. Like, Boys, we're actually in the paper. And we're like, no way. It's like, yeah. And then after that, like we had meetings with loads of labels at Sony. But then, and I don't know if this was just a lie from my manager to get us to sign for Psycho. But he just basically said... Hey, so um, Psycho basically called round all the other labels and got them to cancel their meeting because basically they want you boys. And we were just so flattered that we were just like, oh, that's wicked, we'll go with Psycho, rather than thinking, no, we should have a few more chats, really, just to weigh up our yeah. options. And the, the, it, was, it, was it a kind of, was there a question of business sense of like, or it was like, this is all we wanted, this was the happiness moment, we're going to go for we it? We all wanted... A record deal financially you're already tied in with a contract through the show's contract so mm. the money doesn't change and then um in terms of is this the right label for us at that moment in time one direction was quickly becoming the biggest band ever in the world and we were mm. sort of like well we'd be silly to turn this down really they were they had labyrinth on their books i had little mix on their books and we we liked all them artists, so it was like, yeah, cool. Leona Lewis was there at the time. So it was really like the creme of the talent show vibe. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. someone like Leona is just amazing. So, yeah, we, we, we really respected everyone on the books at that moment in time. So it wasn't, it wasn't like a novelty thing. Mm -hmm. That's why we went there. Quite happily, I guess. It was, and it was, it was just so exciting. And then you go there and like, everyone's telling you what you want to hear. So they're like, oh, yeah, we're really excited to have like a jet. Like, I love Jamie T. So we're really glad to be working with someone like you guys. And then you're like, right, that's what I want. These are all the hit things I want to be hearing. Yeah, yeah. You don't think, yeah, they might like Jamie T. And yeah, we are like a band version of Jamie T. But you're going to make me one direction. Like We're not thinking that at the moment in time. But that's what went on to happen. Was that everything you ever wanted then? If you, if you say that you had a goal, you had a dream... And that was what you wanted. That dream came true. There was no... At that moment in time, you were like, 
we've we've done it. We're happy. Like I, I wanted to be a rock star, and that was like, I was, I'm on my way at that point. How do you become a rock star? Well, and they you get famous the... and you get a record deal and you release your songs, you start touring, and then everything falls into place. And I'm ticking all these things off to get there. But then you said that, so they tried to make you like One Direction. Was that kind of like a turning point? Did that start to change things for you? Did it change your experience of it all? It like... was a ball ache. Because that's the thing. People always say like, like when you ask me on about this, about how like the, the talent show concept, the talent show for us was incredible. I haven't got a bad word to say about Britain's Got Talent. We got exactly out of it what we wanted to get out of it we was portrayed exactly how we would have if if we'd have dreamt how we could have been portrayed on that show it wouldn't have ended much differently to what they'd done like they they like like you say that clip they'd done with us it was like 10 minutes like they took so much time into making that i remember um i was on the train going for a meeting with itv before the the live shows and this bloke come up to me and he was like, Eddie, Eddie, mate, how's it going? And I was like, looking at him like, yo, yeah, I'm, <laughs> Who all, are you? I'm all right, thanks, yeah. And he was like, oh, shit, you've never met me before. I've spent three days editing your video together. <laughs> so, like, he's been there going through all this footage, like, reels and reels that they filmed of us, chopped it all down to the point where he's like, yes, they look wicked. Then he's met me and he's like, oh, yeah, you're the one. <laughs> and I didn't even know who he was. Um, so... It was quality. We, it, <laughs> everything about it um, was was great, but it was the the record label just fucked everything up and overcomplicated it. And they went, they resorted to what they know as opposed to taking a punt on something a little bit quirkier than what they usually do. And I, and I think mm. that was a a huge failing from them. And and they took so much time. If they had dropped us straight away, it would have been sweet. But they waited like one single and three years down the line for. To, like Christ. to have the same conversation it was um, like the first time we went in the studio to record lovesick because here we go right so we go in and they're like um you're a pop band so we're gonna edge on the poppy side of band music create like a, a brit pops that thing again so the a and r brief was all like oasis and blur um kooks but like but like there's like poppy versions and we was like yeah yeah smashing well, that's bang on that's who we are Right, and then we're signing you one single, Love Sick. We're like, get in. That's exactly what makes sense. Get in the studio. We record it. It gets sent back, and we're so buzzing to hear what they've done with, uh, with the recording. And then it's like, whip, whip, whip. I'm Love Sick, Sick, Sick. Real sick of this love game. Ching, ching, ching. And we're like, what is that? <laughs> like, wow. This isn't and us. It wasn't, and it wasn't even fun to the point where we was like, wow, can you turn that down and like that up a bit? It was like, fuck, this is scary. Because if that's what you think's even remotely suitable for us, like you are so wrong. You can't even, you can't fix that, what they created. And that was, it wasn't fun. That was scary because then we was like, shit, we've made a mistake here. And then after that, they went, we went in with um, Future Cut who produced like Lily Allen stuff and things like that. And really cool lads. So we was like, right. Cool. We done a version with them. Like we and we was happy with it at that point. We was, was actually generally happy with it. But then the geezer that runs runs Psycho at the time, he'd been in America and he comes back and he's like, Oh, do you know what that song's missing? It's missing Mexican trumpet on the beginning of the song. <laughs> There's no Mexican trumpets in Essex. Yeah, you know, <laughs> what part of us screams Mexican trumpet? Mexican. Like, like and bear in mind at this point we are literally free vocalists, a guitar and a ukulele. So like Adding anything to our sound, we're sceptical of. Even adding like a little 
symbol or something and a beat. Like, we're like, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. So working with Future Cut, we were at a point where it was like, right, we're, make, we're all compromising here and we're happy with what you've done and you've done it quite tastefully. Cool. We felt safe. And then he came back on that and it was almost like it was just trying to like test these control over us. And we said, no, we're not having it. We're not putting a Mexican trumpet because none of us are, are Mexican and we're not trumpet players. Like, it makes no sense. What part of us and Britpop says Mexican trumpet? So we said no. And I don't know if that rubbed them up the wrong way. Um, but they never released that single. Then I found out he heard the Mexican trumpet on the Taco Bell advert when he was on a meeting in LA. <laughs> and that's when he thought like, oh, this will be a good idea. But that's the Lovable trouble with- rogues, with, Taco Bell. Yeah, that's the trouble with record labels though sometimes is they've all got their own egos and stuff. So sometimes like the head of the label wants to be the guy that goes, see that Mexican trumpet? That was my idea. Yeah. Um, and, in, and that's complete disregard to what we were. So. That's that was when it all started to go downhill with us and Psycho. Thank you for listening, guys. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop there. Stop there. It's the end of the episode. <laughs> no, no, no. It's a double episode. Oh, I nearly forgot. <laughs> it's a double episode. So join us on the next episode where we'll be continuing the conversation with Mr. Eddie Brett all about reality TV. See you there.